I was putting more of myself into the objects at that point, thinking about like how we use these everyday objects, but how can I represent them in a way that maybe flips their original function on their head via using ceramic material. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 191st episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Kirsten Hedegy, who spoke with me from Bloomington Normal, where she currently lives and is studying at Illinois State University. Kirsten was selected as one of our 2017 MFA competition winners, so we're very excited to have her work featured on. And in the episode, of course, we're going to talk all about ceramics and sculpture and some of her recent installation pieces, so please stay tuned for that interview coming up. If you're catching Studio Break for the very first time, I do want to encourage you to peruse studiobreak.com. Again, we feature artists talking about their work. We have images of their work, links to their websites, and of course, you can listen to their interviews right there on studiobreak.com or just click that iTunes link and subscribe to the podcast and listen that way. I would note that we are currently accepting applications for our 2018 student competition. So if you are enrolled in a studio program and you're an undergrad or graduate student, you should apply today. Once again, it's quite simple. A small fee, a web link, or a PDF with 10 images and an artist statement, and you are done. So if you want to show off uh, some recent work or maybe you just recently graduated, you should apply. Again, if you know anybody that might be interested, we hope that you share this opportunity with students and peers alike. We always like talking to new artists and sharing their work, so please check it out on studiobreak.com. And last but not least, just a reminder that we are on a variety of social media formats, so please be sure to like our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break, and of course on Instagram at Studio underscore Break, so please do that. And now let's jump right into this interview with Kirsten Hedegy. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break, Kirsten Hedegy. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. And um, again, we're talking to you. I believe you're currently in um, the uh, Bloomington Normal, Illinois area, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But just kind of looking over again, you went to Alfred, so I'm assuming that you kind of you know grew up on the, the East Coast? I was born and raised in New Jersey, and I moved around a lot when I was younger and ended up in... Hampton, New Jersey, where my parents are now. It was that kind of more like in a, a you know city area, or like kind of rural or suburbs, or it was um, more farmland area because the part of New Jersey I'm from is closer to Pennsylvania, so it was a lot more trees and farm than it was city. Kind of like a creative kid, or so I think growing up, like I always, I guess through my grandparents, like, found out that I really liked making with my hands. We were living with them for a couple years when I was growing up and moving around, and I think they were definitely, like, biggest influences on me. I would sit at home or sit with my grandmother and watch the Carol Duvall show and then, like, make the crafts that we saw from that show with her supplies and my grandfather was more into the fine arts and I remember him showing me like the proportions of a face and like how to draw that. And granted, this was all like around like 
between like first and third grade that this happened. So through like working with them, I felt like they're like to, to just be able to make with stuff and some other like disasters. I remember doing like getting into my grandfather's shaving cream and spreading it all over the bathroom and stuff. Just like anything with my hands, I guess was just fun to play with. But as you're kind of getting into like grade school and, you know, kind of get a little, a little bit older, is that kind of like where you're spending a lot of your time? I think I was definitely doing a lot of craft stuff in high school. And I, I think at that point, like I knew I wanted to do art, but I wasn't sure how I wanted to implement it. So I remember I took like an arch- architecture class in high school and then found out like I don't like I didn't like to think about all the restrictions of planning, like where electrical stuff goes and things in a house. And then I also tried on the flip side of that, like accounting, because I really was into like math and numbers at the time. And like that didn't really feel right either. So it wasn't until after I graduated and went to community college that I was able to kind of like dive more into the art stuff. And I did take art classes in high school that I, I felt a little discouraged by the teacher there because I was um, trying to put so much into my projects and they just wanted me to hand them in on time. So it was (laughs) a little interesting. (laughs) But yeah, when I got to community college, I was able to dive more into like the different mediums. And I think at that time, I was convinced I was a painter um, because I was working for a local watercolor artist Mm -hmm. um, at the time. And she had a huge influence on me with that and helped me out greatly with my first year or two in community college. And it wasn't until I tried working with clay again that I was, I, it was like touching the material and like working with it. I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, I don't know. I guess I thought I was a 2D person. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, no, I think 3D is where I need to be. So excellent. Excellent. And did you wind up doing that all like an associate's degree before kind of like transferring out of there, kind of taking all the, you know, foundational stuff and, um, you know, speech, which is everyone's favorite. I did get my associates of fine arts. I took my time doing it too. I think I did it in like three years instead of just two. Mm hmm. And then from there is when I transferred to Alfred. I had applied to a bunch of schools in the New Jersey area. And then somebody was like, oh, yeah, if you really do like clay, why don't you try applying to Alfred? I was like, okay. I didn't end up going to Al- like to visit the Alfred campus until after I was accepted. I'm assuming from what I've understood is that they're kind of like very, you know, renowned for their kind of three-dimensional you know, kind of programs in terms of, you know, anything across the board. Yeah, I knew it was a pretty prestigious school and I was, I think that's, I was super excited to be like going to this place that like uh, I'd be among people who care about clay as much as I did. And, um, and that's how it was. It was great. And I transferred in as a sophomore and was there for, three more years but yeah it was a really good time so when, when you're coming in as a sophomore like what what are they having you do are you starting out with like 
you know, still technical things? Or are you kind of focused on taking all these different classes still? What was that like? So when I left community college, I was kind of left at that point of like still working through technical stuff of like learning how to throw and working with the material and glaze chemistry and stuff like that. And when I transferred to Alfred, it was almost kind of like a repeat of all of those things. So I had a little bit of skill under my belt to take these like beginning throwing classes and sculpture classes and stuff again. So that was, I think, what was a little bit weird. But I think it worked out because it gave me more time to maybe work through honing in on those skills and Mm -hmm. learning more about clay as the material as you're working with it what was the the thing that if you look back on like started kind of really giving you like a real direction in that and what was that like i was more just paying attention to what the clay wanted me to do uh i was pretty intuitive with making and I was looking at some artists. So like in terms of the the time, was it kind of mostly then functional as you're kind of like leading out or are you kind of, you know, playing around with some of these different forms and. Well, I've always felt like making sculpture was a stronger path for me than the functional stuff. I feel like the ceramics world is very heavy into, or at least what I've seen at the Inseca conference that there's a lot of, power put to functional wear and like the handmade and making it relevant today. And I, I don't know. It's just that repetition of like making the same thing 20 million times just never appealed to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind throwing, but it's not, I'd, I'd rather be like pinching the clay, coiling the clay, like trying to make it defy gravity in different ways. So to, to kind of like summarize that experience there in, in terms of Alfred, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like the, the pieces then kind of become like this really colorful, I don't know, they almost look like these abstracted forms. Um, could you give us an idea a little bit about maybe like the the size of some of these pieces and maybe some of the processes you were really excited about as you're kind of exiting Alfred? So I think for my BFA show, I was making like these sculptures that were kind of influenced by botanical photographs I had taken, but I've kind of like had maybe manipulated or collaged the imagery um, before making the piece. And I think that's pretty heavily influenced by um, the watercolor artist I was working for, Mindy Lighthide in high school. I went on a paid tour of Costa Rica, which was amazing for a few weeks. And I think that trip influenced a lot of the work I had done that was closely related to nature, just because of these, the bright, beautiful, like botanical colors you get in uh, South America. And I was really interested on like the, the micro, like zooming in very close in on something. Mm -hmm. And I think these, pieces were kind of like maybe trying to pick that apart a little bit to bring that to like a visible level. Mm -hmm. Also just trying to play with material as much as I could because I had taken a workshop with Tyler Lotz while I was an undergrad and really liked the different like 
non-ceramic surface finishes that we were talking about in his workshop. And I think those, I tried to implement those a lot um, in that time too, to maybe have it not just be traditional ceramic, but ceramic and like blank. Could you kind of describe, I guess, maybe like the difference in terms of the process, you know, whereas you're kind of maybe coming from like more like a traditional kind of glaze as opposed to like how you're getting um, these? Because to be honest, um, I have no idea. You know, I mean, are, are they painted? Are they spray paint? I, I, see, I, I feel like I sound the, stupid saying that. <laughs> a lot of the stuff was paint. So like acrylic paint finishes mixed with other types of mediums, I think experimented with surfaces like putting gorilla glue down that would that's a material that expands as it dries and then to coat it with paint or to add colorant to joint compound and then like pipe it on to ceramic like um you would piping icing onto a cake and then maybe sanding that down so i was really into like how i can get maybe like a almost ceramic looking finish without it being actually ceramic. And I'm not sure why I did that now that I look back, mm -hmm. but I think it was just adding another level to that interest in materiality for me. Ceramic was my way of making organically. And it's almost like painting in space to me mm -hmm. where at least with this work, it was very like, there were a lot of curves and not a lot of sharp lines. And did you wind up going to school right away afterwards, or did you wind up having some other experiences before no, that? Or? I wanted to take um, time off before I went to grad school because I was an undergrad for I think it was like six years between like the community college and then Alfred. So I applied to some things. I was working for um, a local art center as like a ceramics technician for a little bit. I applied to Aramont as a work study for the fall. Did that for a while. I also did a residency in Mississippi with a close friend of mine from college. That was an interesting experience. <laughs> sure, sure. While I was in Mississippi, I guess I kind of somehow convinced myself that I needed to make pottery to survive in the art world. And because I had been so like sculpture oriented, my strengths and functional wear were not there. And after the residency, I applied for a post back to maybe like strengthen those skills. And it was there that I did like a fast little sculpture after making like a few different pots because I, I would do pinch pots instead of throwing. I meant the sculpture held like more weight, I guess, emotionally or interest wise than any of the functional wear I thought I was succeeding at. So it was there that I like dove back into sculpture. I guess it was while I was in Kansas at, at Kansas State University in this post back that I realized that, um, Maybe it was time to apply to grad school. I was kind of convinced that I needed to establish myself in the real world before going to grad school. Mm -hmm. But I quickly realized that's maybe not the best idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because 
you know, if you're going into grad school knowing what you want to do, then why are you in grad school in the first place? So right. I realized that while I was still maybe flexible in my thinking that I would give that a shot. And I applied to a few places and um, had some successes and not. I think at Illinois State, they were interested in having me in the school, but they couldn't accept me as a grad at the time. So I went from my post back in Kansas to doing a grad at large at Illinois State. And then I guess after one semester of being in the studio and interacting with the undergrads and also participating in critiques with the grad students that they offered me to stay in the grad program. And I, I, I wholeheartedly accepted because the community here is just so strong and I feel like we're pretty tight-knit amongst the grads. And I didn't want to think of leaving that behind, so... Was it really kind of awesome to kind of be then in that environment where you're, you know, kind of back around all these other people that are probably kind of dealing with the same stuff, you know, and kind of having these long, you know, conversations about what, you know, what, what the heck am I going to do next or how am I going to, you know, shake it up? I mean, I, I always loved those kind of conversations at the, you know, I should say, I shouldn't say just at the start. I mean, it was just all throughout graduate school, you know? Yeah, I think the community, I definitely miss that. That's not something that you're prepared for losing when you leave undergrad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think clay, the clay community in general is very like, much welcoming and stuff, no matter where you go. But it was good to be amongst people like in grad school who are, are going through the same struggles, but also are all working in different medias and like how that, I don't know, cross pollination of ideas and mediums to work with and, yeah, the conversations are just so influential between me and my peers. It's it's great to like be in a community that is super open to working with each other. Of of the natural world, is that like the, the where you started then when you were at ISU, or is that like right before you started? Yeah, when I came to ISU, I was still doing sculpture that was probably more intricate than what I had been making in undergrad, but it definitely had this reference to the natural world. Um, and I was also trying to implement things I've collected from the natural world into the work. Like I collected a bunch of sycamore seeds and different types of leaves and was trying to kind of like integrate them into these collage sculptures I was making. But I didn't really manipulate them a lot because I wanted them to shine as what they were. I guess upon reflection, like, they didn't really work together as well as I thought they were. Like, I think it, it takes me a while to, like, step back and actually, like, look at the work for what it is. And I, I see now, like, the things that maybe weren't working as well and... One of the things that I observed between the BFA work and the of the natural world or kind of like natural kind of work is that the color seems to be a little bit different. It's intense, but then there's also all of these kind of muted colors um, within the works as well. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about that. So what I've been working on now, yeah, the color has shifted a lot from being like these bright bubbly things to a more muted tone. And I think that's more because of 
how I'm thinking about the materials and maybe the emotion that they're relaying. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like with the bright colors, like I do enjoy them a lot. Like I even wear those colors myself. But I think maybe they were too like candy-like for what I was working with uh, in relation to nature. Um, and then with shifting to the work I'm working with now where it's representing more everyday objects, like I think to to mimic those colors maybe closer to purposely like maybe blend them in to the background rather than have them stand out. Well, so one of the things that I wanted to ask about, though, too, is, you know, related to these various bodies of work, um, and especially with these kind of collage-based works, you know, how much planning or organization is going on? What kind of experimenting is going on? Are you, you know, planning everything out very rigorously, or are you kind of, you know, combining all these f- pieces of, of clay in different ways, or how did those those pieces come about? So for the collages, it was a lot less planning and a lot more playing, which I think was fun. And I was literally like in this mode of collecting things, whether it be material or um, some of the things in the smaller collages are actually like scraps of clay I collected before they got thrown out. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like saving something before it completely disintegrates. And I think even with this, the stuff I collected from nature, like a peach pit or a leaf, it's it's like preserving this moment before it like goes back into nature, I guess, so to speak. It's like capturing like a frozen moment in a way. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time, like I was just more interested in making a bunch of parts and then playing around like in my studio to see how they fit together and like the I would color each piece before actually putting it together as a whole. I think I really enjoy making like the super small works. I mean those were maybe like four inches by three inches and I tried um, blowing that up to like an installation scale a little bit by making bigger parts and using bigger materials, but they were always relative to the actual size of the collected objects was kind of making more kind of like interactive pieces with like like the wall or either kind of like walking around a piece i mean is that something that that you had kind of previously had experience with or were you just kind of like experimenting to see i don't know what kind of conversation that you wanted you know to kind of have if that makes sense it's just very different than just throwing something right on a pedestal and thinking like okay this is just this object or you know this is a cup i made or you know whatever Yeah, I think I was trying to move away from the pedestal a little bit and use the wall more. And maybe at at minimum using like shelves on the wall as like the quote unquote pedestals. But there was something about like having all these smaller parts and on this like bigger like viewing field than just a pedestal that I was interested in. And maybe that references going back to 2D work a little bit, maybe unconsciously. Well, and so how did this transition into kind of like your more kind of current work, which again, I mean, um, you say it much more eloquently in terms of writing about it, but they, you know, the, uh, they start to kind of really become more like objects of the everyday. 
Mm-hmm. I guess how did that transition happen? And then obviously we can start breaking all this down because this is where essentially where you're where you're at currently. Well, I think I realized that I wanted to maybe try to push myself to step out of the abstract for a little bit. And I think because it, I realized quickly in grad school that it, they were becoming more formal choices to putting them together and like not being able to explain maybe as to what they were. So it was kind of a challenge to myself to maybe do something that was representational. And then also maybe with that representation, instead of using found objects to actually make those objects. So like instead of using a push pin to actually make one out of clay. Was that the first piece then in that whole series? The push pin? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was like the catalyst. And that was something I actually made for uh, an apartment show in the area and ended up really liking it and kind of maybe just rolling with it. So my personal assignment to myself maybe has snowballed greatly since then, because I guess I was thinking about, I was putting more of myself into the objects at that point, thinking about like how we use these everyday objects, but how can I represent them in a way that maybe flips their original function on their head via using ceramic material or having them be structured in a different way. The objects range in this series, you know, from being like teddy bears to being, you know, uh, partly constructed from found things um, like the rat, I think the rat trap or the mouse trap Mm -hmm. versus like, you know, like what looks like a pile of blown out, you know, tennis balls that I'm assuming again, (laughs) you know, like when you come across them, they kind of start, you know, looking, they they kind of had that likeness, but then, you know, there's this question of that material. Is that essentially like where you're kind of really interested in kind of exploring that materiality of, you know, clay? And I think you kind of already alluded this in your statement and maybe some of the things that you said, but like there's so many different qualities it seems like it can have. I think recently I've been thinking about clay more in in a sense of like recognizing it for what its qualities are instead of it just being like a base material for something and actually thinking about how it is as a material itself. So to think of it as something that is, that can hold qualities of it looking soft, but then after it's fired, it holds strength. And then, but with that strength on the flip side has fragility too, because now that it is fired, if it drops at all, will shatter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's maybe where I've been thinking more strongly, thinking about that idea of like hard and soft, not only in terms of material, but in terms of content as well, like maybe in the, in the emotional sense of like having a hard exterior, but maybe staying soft and gesture. I'm just curious, you know, what the process is, because they kind of have this handmade quality, but then, you know, some pieces, I can't tell how they were made or if they were casted or... Well, and I think that's the beauty of play, too. It's like, where is this line between what is made and what is real? And I think that was something I was playing with with these pieces, too. And and they're made in a variety of ways, anywhere from just, like, pinched hand-building to 
some of the teddy bears were actually teddy bears that I found that I dipped in like a thin slip of clay and fired in the kiln. The bear burns out and then becomes like this ceramic shell of the memory of the thing that used to be there. For one of the teddy bears, I used um, a mixture of plaster and clay and casted it in a fabric mold and then uh, fired it. Going back to like my interest in materiality, like there's, I'm trying a lot of different innovative techniques with clay that are popping up um, in the ceramic world. And just maybe trying to figure out those processes and how they could add the extra level of content to my work. And, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, like that process earlier of like, um, you know, foot, using photography of, I, I want to say you said Costa Rica or some, some mm-hmm. trip um, to kind of influence some of the color or some of the natural aspects of your work. How are you kind of, you know, thinking about it now in terms of these kind of ordinary things? Are you kind of coming across situations where you're like, oh, this, what looks like gum in an ashtray, that could be something <laughs> Or is it something where you're kind of like just, you know, writing down ideas as opposed to, you know, something that you're visually coming across and thinking like, oh, you know, like if I make these phones, like at a distance, they're going to kind of look like these phones, but then they're going to turn into these sculptural, you know, kind of like material forms when I come up close to them. I'm just, I'm curious always about that, that process. I think with these, I was definitely thinking more about what was going to go into them before making the object. So like even the way I was making has changed drastically too, where instead of just playing with stuff and like free form, like these are actually probably the most I've thought through content wise about work. Um, so they have started off as ideas and it's not until I work through them that that action of play comes into it. And then as far as the color choices go, I think I was just trying to either mimic the object. So like with the dustpan, like to have that um, metallic sheen finish that a dustpan would have if it were a metal dustpan. Um, for some of the others, I've also just been really interested in just showing the color of the clay off. I would imagine that part of that idea then is to kind of like attract the viewer with this this object or something that they're kind of like curious about. And then kind of maybe as they're, you know, examining it, they're kind of recognizing that it's, you know, kind of not quite what it seems. And, you know, there's this question of that materiality. Yeah. And I like that the work right now is bordering on that line of like, what is real? and What is made? And playing on that line, I think is where I like being the most with my work. It's almost like, the act of deception in a way or talking about maybe reality in a way where it's like not everything is is how it seems. I think content wise, that's where I've been thinking a lot about is like that emotional, maybe having a perception in your mind of how things should be, but then in reality, they're actually just super messy. We were, we were talking a little bit earlier about this kind of most recent piece that kind of incorporates text and like these kind of like stools. Could you kind of break that down a little bit and how that came to be? Yeah. So with the stools, I've been still thinking along these lines of the mundane object, like I don't know, and how stools, at least in the school setting I'm in now, those are like the more frequent things that I see around the studio and 
was thinking about this object that is meant for like a temporary moment of relaxation and stability. And then how can I change that function if I made it out of clay and kind of making a stool that is almost not able to hold itself up? Kind of thinking about relationships in that sense to everyday relationships um, and how like you maybe want to rely on other people sometimes, but then like they themselves are like maybe not unreliable, but maybe like kind of buckle under the weight of holding somebody else's um, weight. How did the text component come into the, the piece? And again, just to kind of make sure that I'm describing these again, there's maybe like one, maybe like one chair that kind of like looks like it or a stool rather that kind of looks maybe kind of like, roughly proportional but there's uh, you know some other ones where like the legs are really long or it looks like it's almost melting and then there's this kind of like field of all these you know standing standing text so how does how does the text kind of get incorporated into the piece i feel like they're two different pieces that just relate to each other through the material in some ways i feel like the words that are spelled out with the ceramic letters are kind of referencing the actions that the stools are doing. Like one of the stools is kind of like cinched at the legs and that kind of me is like hold tight. And then there's one that stands in front of it where its legs are spread out and it's like supportive bring has dropped to the floor. It's almost like dropping its shorts or something and it's like letting it hang loose. And some of the other ones are, maybe acting out like that dependency of like leaning on each other or one being stacked on another and then the one under it's kind of like failing to hold its weight. And I think um, with the text, that's kind of what I was thinking about was like the back and forth that happens between wanting to take care of yourself, but also like wanting to take care of the people around you and like how that balance is always shifting and changing and kind of feeding back into the, the stools in that way of um, maybe acting out those ideas of stability or self-sustainability. Just kind of like wrapped up everything with, you know, critiques and writing papers and kind of decompressing and stuff like that. So it seems like, again, you've kind of got this big, you know, open arena then to kind of like explore and, until your your thesis exhibition. So is it just a matter then of you know experimenting moving forward? Do you have a how <laughs> how are you gonna how are you gonna work through this? Um, Since thinking about the work through maybe this everyday object lens, I've had a bunch of ideas on projects to do, and I think with that they've become more and more elaborate that they demand more and more time so I think I'm going to try to work through as many of those ideas as I can within the next semester and then maybe thesis semester kind of see where everything lands at that moment. Is there anything coming up that you're particularly excited about and then also you know where can people kind of follow uh, you know your work and see what's going on uh, you know as it as it comes out of the kiln as it were. So I think one of the projects I'm excited to work on this summer is uh, making ceramic chain mail. 
and relating that back to that hard and soft line, like it being something made for protection, but because it's made of the ceramic material is fragile. So therefore it's maybe not completing its function and maybe exploring that a little bit and seeing where that goes is exciting. My website is kirstenhedegy.weebly.com and you can follow me on Instagram at khedegy, K-H-E-T-E-J-I. And I also have a Facebook page that is uh, connected through Instagram and my website. Awesome. Well, again, it'll be exciting to kind of see all the the work as it you know comes up on Instagram or Facebook, and I hope people follow there. Again, it's nice to have a summer to kind of just work through this stuff. And yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, again, I I do appreciate you taking the time today, and of course uh, for applying the Studio Break Student Competition. Um, it's great to talk to you about your work, and really excited to have your work featured here. So thanks again, and a great conversation. Thanks so much, David. Thanks once again to Kirsten. You can follow her work by visiting her website, which is linked right in this interview. And be sure to check her out and follow her on Instagram and Facebook. Just a quick reminder that our Studio Break 2018 competition is now open to all currently enrolled and recently graduated artists. Once again, our juror Brian Frank will be selecting three undergraduate and three graduate level artists to be featured on Studio Break with an interview. So if you are interested or know someone interested, please share this opportunity and apply today. The process is quite simple. You submit a small fee, a web link with your work, or a PDF with 10 images and an artist statement, and you are done. Once again, Brian Frank is a contemporary artist. He runs Raka, which is Rural America Contemporary Art, up in Minnesota, where he is also the chair of the art department at Minnesota State University, Mankato. So once again, our deadline is May 31st. Get those applications in today. If you enjoyed listening to Studio Break, please check out more episodes featured on studiobreak.com. Again, all of our artists have images of their work as well as these candid interviews and links to their websites. So feel free to peruse our archive and check out some of the episodes you might have missed. You can notice that iTunes link right in every post. So please be sure to follow it and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you do enjoy the podcast, we would love it if you help spread the word by sharing our social media, help get the word out. Once again, we are on Facebook, so please like our page. You can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break and, of course, on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. So please be sure to check us out there. Thanks once again to Skylar Mail, who provides the music to Studio Break. You can check out his artwork at SkylarMail.net. If you'd like to see some of my recent work, you can check out the recent April edition of Create Magazine, where I'm featured. You can also check it out at davidlinaway.com. And, of course, be sure to follow and say hello, if you'd like, on Instagram, at davidlinaway, or on Facebook. Again, if you enjoy the podcast, it's always great hearing from artists and listeners. So, hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and we'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>